I am not going to say or yell, podcast disassemble. This is Joe. And this is Ashley. From Geek to My Nerd. Hey everyone, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. Hey, this is Troidal Power with the Power Playthroughs Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Becky, Troy's wife. This is MC from the best animated shows ever, so far. And this is... Ant-Man. 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 Ant-Man is the little movie that could. What a weird character to make a superhero movie out of. And it worked so well. Ant-Man is Iron Man light. I wish, I wish, I wish Edgar Wright had been able to retain the ability to direct the film. I think Peyton Reed did a serviceable job, but there are certainly times in there where you can tell that it was something that... Uh, the original director, Edgar Wright, wanted to have in there. Edgar Wright is, for those that don't know, he's the guy that did, like, Shaun of the Dead, for example. Uh, He's very good at that sort of comedy, and that could have been what Ant-Man was. Like, a lot of the Marvel films have some comedy in them. Thor is this very fish-out-of-water, he's kind of dumb, ha-ha. Tony Stark is, he's a big sassy pants, that sort of thing. Captain America is more of a sort of, I guess, heartwarming type of humor thing there. But for Ant-Man... I feel like it was more meant to be this out-and-out, straightforward comedy, like, heist film. And I think it could have been those. It, it, it was supposed to be sort of their Ocean's Eleven, right? And I think it could have been, but it wasn't. The opening scene with the uh, younger versions of Michael Douglas and the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Defense, I don't remember that actor's name, and the older version of Peggy Carter is really cool. This was, I think... Uh, a, a kind of a flex from uh, Marvel Studios showing what they can do with the aging technology they have available to them. And I think it works out really well. I, I think everybody looks great in this scene. And boy, it's fun to see young Michael Douglas just being ticked off. And it's kind of sad to see to see Peggy. Oh, Peggy. Oh, Peggy. So we meet our hero Scott Lang in jail. He's in a, a fist fight. He can he can fight okay, but he can't take down Peaches. But it turns out nobody can take down Peaches because Peaches is like the big boss of the prison, I guess. Uh, we find out later that Luis, uh, Scott's friend uh, and former cellmate, is the only guy who's knocked out Peaches. Foreshadowing. Um. So, for the favorite dialogue moment, um, I can't actually choose. Because um, it's one of the ones with his friend Louise who comes to pick him up at the jail. Uh, most of the lines he has are just perfect and spot on. I think Michael Pena does a really good job portraying this character. 
It's just all gold. So I can't actually choose one because, well, they're all great. Once he's out of jail, Scott's got to get back on his feet because he's got a daughter he wants to take care of. And the first step to getting back on his feet is to finding a job. And the job he finds is working at Baskin Robbins. Uh, and there's this snarky little terrible child who comes in to Baskin Robbins and is like, I want a burger. Give me whatever's hot and fresh. <laughs> I hate this kid. But then Scott's boss calls him to the back room and is like, so uh, you're a criminal, huh? That's super cool. It's really cool that you're a criminal. You're fired, of course, but uh, if you want to grab one of those smoothies on the way out, I'll look the other way. Ooh, what a dick. Ah, he's the worst. This whole movie, I, I just, I love this movie. It's so much fun. And I love that, like, Scott's biggest villain at the start of the movie is the guy who manages Baskin-Robbins. Which then, of course, is is kind of followed up on by, as soon as he goes home, uh, Luis is like, ah, Baskin-Robbins found out, huh? Baskin-Robbins always finds out. Yeah, I don't know. It's... It's fine, and I I think Paul Rudd is a good choice for Scott Lang and the way they did it. I enjoyed the way that they worked in Hank Pym and that sort of thing. Now, I, I've read some comics, so I know a little bit about Hank Pym from the comics. I've never really come across Scott Lang in the comic books, but I think it was a good choice for them to go with Scott Lang in this movie instead of Hank Pym because Hank Pym is a little more serious. Hank Pym has a lot of darkness to him. Hank Pym made Ultron. Going with Scott Lang and having Hank Pym as kind of the mentor character lets them be way more sillier, and that's where this movie really shines. In the comics, Hank Pym is actually the one who creates Ultron, so it was a little sad that they do introduce him, but later on, I do like how they make him a jerk, because he should be. We shouldn't have to look up to every single one of the, the characters that are translated over from the comic books. Hank Pym is notoriously a sort of difficult character when you dig into his, his comic origins. Darren Cross as uh, as the villain in this movie, uh, eventually as Yellow Jacket, is slimy from the very beginning. He's clearly... Uh, a villain the first moment we see him but we don't really know the extent of it until he introduces us to the yellow jacket suit and we find out that his his mission is basically to build uh the same technology that that hank used as the ant-man except for he wants to make it even more of a weapon than it was before we get a uh kind of a, a video montage showing 3D renderings of the yellow jacket suit in action and this voiceover goes through the whole thing that's just the most like ridiculous propaganda BS voiceover and none of it means anything we live in an era in which the weapons we use to protect ourselves are undermined by constant surveillance it's time to return to a simpler age one where the powers of freedom can once again operate openly to protect their interests an all-purpose peacekeeping vessel, the Yellow Jackets can manage any conflict on the geopolitical landscape completely unseen. Efficient in both preventative measures and tactical assault. Practical applications include surveillance, industrial sabotage, and the elimination of obstructions on the road to peace. A single Yellow Jacket offers the user unlimited influence to carry out protective actions, and one day soon, an army of yellow jackets will create a sustainable environment of well-being around the world. The Yellow Jacket. I hate it.
The other thing that I really love about Ant-Man, and particularly with Scott Lang having more of a criminal background than more heroic, like someone like Captain America, is we get to see an interesting skill set. Particularly when Scott is breaking into Hank's house to get what they think is going to be a boatload of cash, but turns out to be the Ant-Man suit and plans, we see that Scott has to be quick on his feet. The first thing he has to solve is the fact that there's a thumbprint lock on the door. And so he has to kind of use ingenuity to get the thumbprint to even get into the room. And then when he discovers that it's a Carbondale safe from 1910, he has to use that kind of, you know, knowledge off the top of his head to go, okay, that's the same uh, safe from the Titanic. Those are susceptible to cold, uh, that kind of thing. And it's just like really cool to see him work with him. Uh, you know, using liquid nitrogen to make the steel so cold that it's going to burst, and then also setting up a fail-safe so that literally when the bolts pop out of the safe, uh, he's not going to hurt himself in the process. And so just to kind of see the critical thinking skills that it takes to, you know, achieve those goals. Scott doesn't have super strength and all of these other things that he can rely on. He literally has to rely on his brain at first, and then the science that Pym has created, but... Even with the science, it's no good without a man who can think on his feet like Scott can. And so I just think that that's really cool that we have a different dynamic of a hero in Ant-Man versus all of the other Marvel heroes who are more heroic in nature. Just in case you weren't sure that Darren Cross was a bad guy as he's testing his shrinking formula, because remember, his formula only works to shrink inorganic material. He's selling it as if he can shrink a person inside the suit, but right now all he can do is shrink the suit. Although, to be fair, the suit on its own is pretty destructive. Like, that's a pretty good competitor to the Iron Man suit. I would be interested in seeing Yellow Jacket vs. Iron Man without any shrinking abilities. Hmm. But anyway, in case you're wondering how evil he is, uh, he and uh, Hope are watching some tests on organic material, and they bring in a little baby sheep to do a test on. And, and, and she's like, I thought we were using mice. And he goes, what's the difference? Oh, you're despicable. You're a bad man, Darren Cross. My favorite villain moment has to be when uh, Darren Cross is finally successfully testing his his equivalent of the PIM particle formula uh, after the almost inhuman way he treats the test subjects and, you know, his uh, what's the difference moment about mice and lambs. But whenever he's the, the one that we figure out is going to be his successful test that he um, the, the body language he uses to pull the little device arm around to the enclosure where the test subject is it's this desperation in the way he pulls it. It's just, it's showing how far he's devolved and how quickly he could just go off the hit, go off the hinge. My favorite villain moment is when Cross finally gets uh, the shrinking to work on the lambs. He a- actually holds up the lamb in the same shot with his head uh, in this little container and he flicks it. And the lamb gets jostled about. And it just shows you how immoral and evil this character really is. 
my favorite hero moment from ant-man has to be the entire scene involving scott breaking into pym's house all the ingenuity that he uses to bust open the safe protect himself from it as well as the uh the just rapid pace with which he returns it and i know there's a scene in between of him first using the suit but it's just it's an amazing combination of scenes to show how quick-witted smart and just overall hilariously intelligent and such that scott is so scott has successfully stolen the ant-man suit from hank pym's house he's taken it back to his apartment he's tried it on he's gone on his own little honey i shrunk the kids adventure through his apartment building and now he's returning the suit to the house because he don't want any part of that and as he's leaving from successfully breaking back in and putting the suit back there are cops everywhere and he goes no no no! i didn't steal anything i was returning something i stole uh, and Paul Rudd's face just is makes a perfect ah uh, as he realizes what he just said aloud. My favorite line of dialogue doesn't come from anything that Scott says as the title character, but actually something that his daughter says. A lovely little exchange between Cassie and her stepdad. Cassie says, "Are you trying to find my daddy?" And Paxton, ever the anti-Scott uh, fan. Um, yeah, I am, sweetheart. I just want your daddy to be safe. You know, total lie. Um, and then Cassie's like, I hope you don't catch him. And just makes the best face in the history of child actor faces. Where you know exactly how she feels about this guy trying to like ruin her daddy's life. And I just think it's just one of the more precious moments in the movie. Again, it's not really a big superhero moment or anything. It's just a fun little family dynamic. And that's what I really enjoy about this movie. My favorite line of dialogue has to be the moment where Pym is explaining everything that could go wrong and what Darren Cross is doing. And Scott's first reaction is, I think our first move should be calling the Avengers. And then Pym just tears him down for it. Because it they always set up Scott Lang to be like the everyman hero, the one that we can always relate to. And that's especially driven home in Civil War. But this moment is the one where he's think he's saying exactly what the audience is thinking. Like if this is that severe, they need to call the Avengers. So my favorite quote during this movie was a situation where Scott was talking to um, Dr. Pym and um, Dr. Pym was telling him that he believes that everyone deserves a shot at redemption and um, telling him that he, if he helps him, that um, he'll be, that Scott will be able to see his daughter again. And he goes, now are you ready to redeem yourself? Scott says, absolutely. My days of breaking into places and stealing shit are done. What do you want me to do? And Dr. Pym goes, I want you to break into a place and steal some shit. Hope is very upset that her father, Hank, will not let her do the mission because we don't even need Scott. This is annoying. I should be the one to go and do this. I'm the only one that knows how this works and can control the ants. And Scott makes Hope realize that Scott is the only one who can do this mission because Scott is expendable. Hank can't afford to lose hope, literally and figuratively. If she's gone, then he literally has nothing left. 
And I just thought that that moment was very sweet in, uh, you know, a movie full of, like, all sorts of fun action that they took time for the hero to have a small moment like that. During the training for uh, for Scott to be able to use the suit, we get, a, like, a long extended montage of training sequences and heist planning like we talked about before heist planning happening before you see the heist in action means that things aren't going to go exactly to plan a little bit's going to go wrong because why wouldn't it um but the the training montage is kind of cool we get to see a lot of of scott shrinking down and shrinking back up again uh we meet the ants and it's it's all played for laughs it's all really silly and goofy and and a lot of fun and then in the middle of the the training montage in the middle of the training montage, we go to the Avengers complex and we do a stealth mission in the middle of our heist planning because this movie loves me and it wants to give me all of the good things. Unfortunately, the stealth mission is short-lived. Basically, Scott flies down to the rooftop of Avengers Mansion and immediately meets Falcon and uh, introduces himself. Hi, I'm Scott. Actually, I think he... Does he say... Yeah, he does say, hi, I'm Scott. Dude, secret identity, Scott, come on. Um, and then, uh, we get a cool fight between Ant-Man and Falcon, uh, where we learn that, man, the ability to shrink is really a powerful weapon in a superhero battle, especially when your opponent is running on tech, because you can just, you can just get in there and mess with their circuitry. My favorite villain moment from Ant-Man involved Darren showing up to Hank's house uh, after they had decided, like, here's what the heist is going to be. The, all of our plans are laid in place. Everything's going to go perfectly. And then they have this conversation that is very creepy. And it's almost exposed. Their whole plan is almost exposed because they have everything laid out. So they have to get the ants to help them hide the plan. And based on the conversation that Darren has with Hank, he wants to up everything, like the security at the facility. He has a conversation with Hope. And at this point in the movie, we still think that he doesn't know that Hope is really on Hank's side and not his. And so it's just a great moment to show like how desperate Darren is to get this plan off the ground so that he can access this technology that Hank has been trying to keep from him all these years. Um, not technically the main hero, but I absolutely love Lewis. I think he's hilarious. I love his mannerism and the way he talks. Um, and he just, every time he's on screen, it makes me laugh. The final heist scene is really good. It's really long, so I don't want to go into every single piece of it. But I do want to call out that I love Luis. Luis has been awesome throughout this whole movie. And uh, his 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 part of the heist is just very good. He's talking about, like, I think when I go in there, I'm going to whistle, like, to blend in, you know? And they're like, don't whistle. And then it cuts to him going in in his security guard uniform, whistling It's a Small World After All. Because, of course, he's whistling It's a Small World After All. Um, and so he is pretending to be a security guard when they're breaking into um, the uh, PIM building. And uh, he runs into another guard and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And Lewis goes, uh, boss man said to secure the area, so I'm securing. And the other guy goes, I'm the boss. And Lewis is like, oh, and then he 
punches him in the face and knocks him out. And it was great. <laughs> um, That's basically his primary role in the heist is just to one punch dudes out. And we know he can do this because way back in the first scene he was in, he told us that he's the only guy who ever managed to punch out peaches. Uh, I know some people really like his friends. I think we all like, um, is it Michael Pena's character? Yes, absolutely. The other two friends, not so much because they're also, they're just kind of there. I've heard people say they just want to see like a short film featuring those guys. And I would buy that. My favorite hero moment was when Scott's running through the model. Uh, He's being shot at by some of the security guards. And... The whole scene is just really well composed. Uh, there's some dramatic uh, music, and uh, it just sh- shows like a good composition of like the difference in the size and what's going on in the scene. It's just perfect action the whole time. This this had such a um, like lead up to this action scene that it makes it my favorite because after seeing it for the first time, like you know what's going to happen. But when you watch it through another time, then you keep an eye out for certain things. And one of the things in the movie that you see repeatedly before this scene is the um, is the tank. And so they are... Um, uh, Hope and Dr. Pym are in the building and it's about to implode and um, Hope goes, the charges are set. We've got to find a way out of here and fast. And Dr. Pym goes, don't worry, I'm not going to die. And neither are you. And he holds up the keychain of the tank, the tanker, and says, it's not a keychain. And so all along he had that just like hanging out with him waiting to make a big giant tanker to blow out of the side of the building. Yeah, it was great. At the end of the movie, uh, Scott and the Yellow Jacket have kind of butted heads in two different battles so far. They have a fight, uh, I guess three, because first Scott and, and Darren fight in the helicopter before he's in the Yellow Jacket suit. Then we get the briefcase fight as the briefcase is falling to Earth. And then we get a poolside fight where Scott kind of wins that round by knocking Yellow Jacket almost into a bug zapper. Man, if he hadn't gotten stuck in the reins of that bug zapper, then this would all have been over. Um, unfortunately, Yellow Jacket uh, doesn't die there. And... And this is where he's flawed. They talk that about the uh, idea that the particles he's using are messing with his brain chemistry and basically driving him insane. And that, I guess, is the explanation for why he doesn't just leave. Because at this point, he's he's got the suit and Scott's under arrest. That's a pretty good position for him to be in. Uh, but instead of just going, he goes to Scott's house and decides that he's going to take from Scott that which is most dear to him, his little daughter Cassie. Just all the little things, the army of ants busting out from the carpeted area, the, the using a train as a weapon, and the chaos involved with Scott trying to expand stuff and accidentally expanding the wrong things, like the Thomas the Tank Engine that falls out of the window, smashing onto the ground, the ant that freaks out um, Paxton as he's trying to go upstairs. Uh, it's just, it's an amazing 
amazing set piece and it was unlike a lot of the marvel stuff we'd gotten up to that point because it was both hilarious and just an amazing action-packed moment there's this great sequence of of the two uh tiny little people fighting on top of her thomas the tank engine playset and it's like epic and dramatic because the camera's in all close to them but then every once in a while the camera zooms out and we just see that (laughs) there's like toys being knocked over is basically the extent of their epic superhero battle my favorite action scene is one that's definitely on the smaller side with Ant-Man and the Yellow Jacket fighting in a literal briefcase to the Cure's disintegration. I thought that was a very good song choice because it almost sounds quantum, even though they're not really in the quantum realm yet. It just has that kind of feeling to it. And the physics of them being in the briefcase almost feels like zero gravity with them like fighting with like lightsabers and the phone hitting them and keys and all the other little elements from the briefcase uh, makes uh, an otherwise standard fight much more interesting than normal. And that's what I really like about all the action sequences in Ant-Man is the, the scale of the fights. Uh, adds an interesting element that we don't normally see in these kind of movies with, you know, like later on Thomas the Tank Engine and such. And I just felt that this particular fight was probably one of the stronger ones because it's in a self-contained environment where there's less risk of them getting hurt or hurting other people, but also like they can't use their size abilities to their full advantage because they're literally trapped within this box. Um, The dangling thread in Ant-Man... Um, it's the pin particle. Uh, so it's the whole reason behind uh, what the main villain is trying to create. Um, it's the secondary villain who is at the start and gets punched in the face by um, Hank Pym. Uh, it, but the whole reason Hank Pym is trying to keep this out of the hands of other people is because of what happens to his wife and it's really a good reason why he should try and keep this out of other people's hands. But also the destruction and chaos that um, this particle could bring. But um, it's right there at the beginning, and it's pretty much the whole thread throughout the film is them trying to recreate this particle. One of my favorite dangling threads from this movie, of course, has kind of been answered within Ant-Man and the Wasp, but when Scott goes to the quantum realm, uh, and when he enters and when he exits, there's just like this blip of a form that you see in the shadow, and I just thought that was really cool. That wasn't something that I had noticed on my first viewing, but I've noticed on subsequent viewings. And, of course, we can make the inference that that's Janet trapped in the quantum realm. But I just like that they planted that little Easter egg for us, knowing that uh, most people would probably also notice that moment and speculate, like, what's going to happen? You know, who are they going to get to play Janet? That kind of thing. And... Uh, I just like that. The, I like it when they drop little Easter eggs for everybody to find in a movie. That's that's kind of fun. It's also for uh, the stuff involved with the other realm material that they utilize in um, Doctor Strange, and how it's just fantastically utilized. It's it's a very good introduction into the kind of trippy visuals we're gonna get with Doctor Strange. 
But yeah, Ant-Man. I don't. There are people that like this. There are some people that this is their favorite film or they're one of their top films of the MCU. It's just not for me. I think it had the chance to be great. It had the chance to be good. It just came away as just okay for me. And I think that's too bad. So the biggest thing I love about the Ant-Man movies in general, Ant-Man started it and Ant-Man and the Wasp really continued it, is this focus on family. Um, Scott and Hank, they kind of bond over a mutual desire to protect their family and their, their daughters especially. And it's continued with this whole concept of a non-standard family union. By the end of the first Ant-Man, we have Scott... We have Paxton, we have Maggie and Cassie all being one happy family together because they all realize they're they're all kind of there for the same thing, to just care about each other and protect each other. And even though we don't get this like big happy ending with like, oh, Scott got back together with Maggie, like no, they've, they've found a way to make their family work. And it's the same thing between uh, Pim and Hope that... Uh, that they are able to make their relationship work and, you know, Pim even having the hopefulness of potentially even being able to find Janet one day. Uh, it's just an amazing thread of using a non-traditional, non-conventional family aesthetic, and I love that about these movies so much. It's kind of what sets them apart from the other Marvel movies for me, with the exception of maybe the Guardians films. I do think that the the final battle in this movie struggles a little bit with the whole, like, it's two versions of the same character fighting each other, similar to what we had in Iron Man and Incredible Hulk. It's, it's kind of a repeated thing, but their abilities are so much fun that I don't really care in this movie. It's fun to see two tiny little characters fighting each other, and it's fun to see a silly heist romp in the middle of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ant-Man takes all of the good things on the comedic side of the MCU and brings them together with us, which is really important because we know what's coming next and uh, it's, it's not gonna be so much fun. Podcasters Assemble Probably is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably podcast network. This episode edited and produced by me, Troidal Power. Find more of our shows at probablywork.com and learn how to join the initiative and contribute to future episodes of Podcasters Assemble Probably by looking us up on Twitter as at Casters Assemble. Submissions are always open. Thank you to everyone who was able to contribute to this episode. Be sure to check the show notes for links to all the places you can find them online. Special thanks to executive producer Tyler Thornton for keeping this show on track.
But I, I, yeah, I just, Ant-Man let me down. And if you ask the wife, she will simply say, Ant-Man sucks. And then Hawkeye sucks. She also doesn't like Hawkeye. She thinks Hawkeye is worthless. Podcasters Assemble Probably will return in Captain America Civil War. Um, so the Stan Lee moment in this movie um, was actually kind of like it. So it involves Lewis and Lewis. Lewis's thing is he loves telling you stories and he rants and rants and rants about everything. He goes off topic and he um, he just like talks a lot. So Scott's talking to Lewis and he goes, all right, here's the deal. Just give me the facts. And Lewis goes, just the facts, only the facts? Scott goes, brief, focus, keep it simple. Lewis like, no, no, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, so I'm at this art museum with my co- cousin Ignacio, right? And there was like this abstract expressionism exhibit, but you know me, I'm more like a neo-Cubanist kind of guy, right? But then there was this Ro- Rothko that was sublime, bro. Oh my God. And Scott goes, Lewis. <laughs> and I was like, okay, sorry, sorry. I'm just, you know, uh, I get get excited and stuff. But anyway, anyway, when Ignacio tells me, yo, I met this cra- crazy fine writer chick at this spot last night. Like, fine, fine, crazy, stupid, fine. And he goes up to the bartender and goes, look at that girl I'm with. You know, you know what I'm saying? She's crazy, stupid, fine, right? And then um, it flashes to the bartender and it's Stanley and the bartender's like, yeah, crazy, stupid, fine. So this writer chick tells Ignacio, yo, I'm like a boss in the world of guerrilla journalism and I got mad connects with the peeps behind the curtains. You know what I'm saying? And Ignacio's like, for real? And she's like, yeah, you know what? I can't tell you who my contact is because he works with the Avengers.